Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. Our call to confession is found in Colossians chapter 3 starting at verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There's such a union between Christ and his people that by his death, we become dead to sin. By his resurrection, we are lifted up to spiritual life. So as Christ now lives in heaven, we should live for heaven and fix our affections on things there. Seek those things which are above. And in doing so, and seeking them as objects of pursuit and affection, we should strive to secure them. Since Christ sits at the right hand of God and since he is the object of our supreme attachment, We should fix our affections on heavenly things and be prepared to dwell with him. That is why we come before our Lord now um, as we confess our sins. So today on the fourth Sunday of Advent, Christmas Eve, we come to one of the most beloved texts in all of scripture Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 20 portions of this text have been included in Handel's Messiah of course prominently featured in the 1965 animated Charlie Brown Christmas and over 80 songs and hymns of the past 200 years 80 songs and hymns have drawn some of their text from this passage of scripture yes this passage is beloved We've spent the last three Sundays looking at the 80 verses in Luke chapter 1 with the unfolding of the previous 14 months focused on Zechariah, on Elizabeth, and on Mary. Today we pick up the narrative as Mary is about to give birth. So before we read the text for today, please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, on this fourth Sunday of Advent, our hearts are warm and excited to remember the glorious birth of Jesus. Bless us with your spirit as we seek to understand a bit more of who you are and what you expect of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. 
And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, Peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in, the ma- lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The grass withers and the flower fades, But this word of God stands forever. And God's people said, Amen. I'm getting a little feedback. So the theme of our our, uh, sermon this morning, our passage this morning, is the birth of Jesus Christ. And Luke begins this chapter with two very interesting and important signposts, if you will. These two signposts would have been very familiar to the people in the first century. But hundreds of years, even millennia removed, we are not as familiar with them. So in verse 1, he refers to Caesar Augustus. So Caesar Augustus, you might know from ancient history, is the first Roman emperor after Julius Caesar. And he reigned as Caesar, Caesar Augustus reigned, from 27 A.D. to 14 A.D. Again, overlapping the the point of Jesus' birth. The second official he mentions is Quirinius, who was the governor of Syria from 4 B.C. to 1 A.D. So you have 27 to 14, and then you have a narrowing window when Quirinius was governor Uh, of one of the provinces, and he was governor from 4 B.C. to 1 A.D. So we can have confidence in these God-breathed scriptures that they are rooted and grounded in truth. These are not stories that are made up out of someone's imagination. These are real historic happenings. Then we learn in verse 4 that Mary and Joseph set off on a journey to Bethlehem. 
And you may have noticed the thread of those three scripture passages we read this morning, that each of them prophesied the birth of Messiah in Bethlehem, sometimes referred to Ephrathah, sometimes referred to as the city of David. Sometimes, even in the same passage, they'll tell you the two alternate or three alternate names. So here, they set off on a journey of 70 to 90 miles, likely with a group of others to register uh, as as they were ordered to do. And all told, this, this journey by foot, by donkey, would have taken about a week. All of this was going on while Mary was nine months pregnant. Mary is ready to give birth in terms of being full term. To say this timing was inconvenient would be an understatement. And yet Luke doesn't record any concern at all in the text here. Any hesitation on the part of Joseph and Mary to make this trip. That I found fascinating, and I I thought about that for a moment, and I thought, we know and have the benefit now, because Luke told us in Luke chapter 1, that Gabriel, when he visited Mary, that he announced that God would overshadow her. Remember that? God would provide active and specific care to Mary and to the baby Jesus. Would that have set Mary's mind completely at ease? If I'm nine months pregnant and we need to make a one-week journey to register, that's what we'll do. God's got this. The confidence that that, that likely install, instilled in her, not only in, as she was expecting, but even as she raised Jesus from an infant, I think can't be understated. And I wanted to draw that back to our attention. Today we have the experience of a, we do not have the experience of that personal revelation that Gabriel had with Mary, that Mary had with Gabriel, providing us with these specific assurances in our lives. Um, But in fact, we have something much greater. And in terms of the content of the revelation that we've received, if you think about Gabriel's revelation to Mary, We have in the New Testament alone a thousand times more content, the very breathed word of God that should provide us with great comfort and instruction and confidence in God's providential love and care for us. So as much as I thought about Gabriel's revelation to Mary as he visited her, we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to having the New Testament scriptures, let alone the Old Testament scriptures, which Mary also had and reflected in knowledge of. And then in verse 7, we read that Mary gave birth to Jesus and lay him in a manger. And and we, we might not have mangers at our house. Most of us probably don't. But a manger is a, is a very nice word for a feeding trough for animals. It's where you would dump feed and where they would lean over and slobber and lick up the food from this elevated structure. Mary laid baby Jesus in a feeding trough when he was born so that he could sleep. This is a very humble setting. The circumstances that brought this about were that they went to Bethlehem and and Bethlehem is apparently a hopping place. It was filled to the brim because... Everyone was there to register. Who doesn't live there? 
So all the places that might take in weary travelers just didn't have a place for them. It's implied that they checked, but there wasn't any room. And then Luke shares one more detail, sort of an ordinary detail, and yet an important detail. And that is that Mary wrapped Jesus in swaddling cloths. So what are we to make of this? What's the significance of these, of these swaddling cloths? Commentators have, have taken this in a lot of different directions, and I sort of think, think the simplest explanation is the best here. Mary was being a good mom. She swaddled and wrapped her baby before putting him in the manger. That's the beginning and end of the story. And those of you who are moms know that that is a current practice today in the 21st century, that we swaddle our babies when they're brand new born. Uh, very soon after they're born, we wrap them up tightly. That's good for them. That's, that's good for, for their ability to sleep and to stay warm and many other things. So Mary was being a good mom. After the birth narrative, we move to the second scene of this text, this glorious text. And this involves shepherds. So we pan out maybe five miles, maybe 10 miles to fields that are outside of Bethlehem. And here we find shepherds who have night watch, who are somehow, they're, they're the folks who have to look after the herds in the fields. They have to protect them from themselves. Sheep will wander off. They need to make sure that they don't wander off. There might be predators who would come and, and dare to want to eat the sheep. They need to protect the sheep against the predators. And even thieves. They need to, these shepherds who were keeping watch over their fields at night, in the very dark night, needed to keep aware of what's going on. After watching the sheep all day, because this wasn't just, you know, they didn't just show up to work and punch a clock and this was their shift. They had to watch and be with the sheep all day long. They would take turns at night. You get two hours and I get to watch the sheep. I get two hours of sleep, you get to watch the sheep. They would trade off during this time. And what's fascinating here is that here we are pictured in a quiet, open field. An occasional sheep will bleat, an occasional predator. You might hear a bird overhead. It's generally very quiet. Maybe it was a starlit night and even clear. And then, out of nowhere, in this quiet field, an angel of the Lord, verse 9, appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. I understand that to mean that there was full light brightness suddenly that accompanied this angel and this angel's announcement. And the very first, and the angel realized, as we've seen the compassion, I've been struck as we've looked at Gabriel and sort of his anticipating what each of these folks would think when he would go to talk with, with uh, Zechariah, when he would go to talk with Mary. Um, the angel anticipates the emotional response and sort of the surprise that they are. They know that they're bringing a surprise when they come. And the very first words out of the angel's mouth, knowing that here are these shepherds keeping their watch in darkness. All of a sudden, the angel appears and it's bright 
the first words out of the angel's mouth are, fear not. Very understandably, this is something that was important for them to say, set aside that fear. And then the angel continues, after fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I'm coming with good news. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So this angel makes his purpose known, and that is, it wasn't for destruction, it wasn't for judgment, it wasn't to bring a warning, it was to bring good news of great joy for all the people. This, in the history of mankind, is probably the most uh, incredible birth announcement that's ever been made. We talk about birth reveals today, we talk about birth announcements on you know, on social media, I'm sure it used to be done with cards and pictures and, and phone calls. This birth announcement was one of a kind in a couple different ways. One, because it was so incredible. Two, because it was given to these shepherds who didn't have any relationship with Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus until this moment. And then let's look at the nature of the birth announcement. Did the birth announcement, did the angels say, a baby boy was just born to Mary and her betrothed, Joseph? No. He said, in verse 11, we read that unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's that double-pronged announcement a baby's been born, and by the way, this very baby born in Bethlehem right over there is the Messiah. These shepherds have been taught the good news. They weren't hearing this for the first time. They knew that the Messiah was coming and that the Messiah would be born based on Psalm 132 and Micah 5.2 and the passages we read this morning and others that, that the Messiah would be born in the city of David and in Bethlehem. They and their families with the shepherds had, had awaited this news, had been heard it, heard it from their ancestors for hundreds of years. And now, in their hearing, it was their time. It had come to pass. Already, I can only imagine that the shepherds' minds were running. They were on sensory overload. They were on cognitive overload. Their eyes were barely adjusting to the brightness. Their minds could barely be wrapped around what was going on in this message that they were about to hear. Can you imagine anticipating for something for generations? And they were the ones who were hearing it. Wow. And in verse 13 we read, And suddenly, that's not all, And suddenly there was with the, the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, a whole choir of angels, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angel brought the first message to the shepherds, was joined by this multitude. And, and by the way, um, I couldn't resist. Yesterday, I, I cranked up the stereo, stood in front of it as, as big a sound as I could get, 
and listen to just the four or five minutes of this portrayal in Handel's Messiah. And Handel, wow, I, I don't know if anybody's done it any better. A beautiful, flowing soprano solo is then accompanied by a full fortissimo orchestra and choir, Glory to God. If you have a moment, put Glory to God Handel in YouTube and listen to those four minutes today. Um, and and if, you have a big, if you have big speakers, use them. Um, that, that's, that's, my, that's my advice for the moment. These angels knew man's weakness and their penchant for distraction. We are all prone to wander. We are all prone to distraction. And they wanted to clearly and decisively prevent the shepherds from focusing on the wrong thing. So after the birth announcement, unto you is born the Savior, which is Christ the Lord, what do the angels, what does the choir of angels say to make sure that they got the message right? Glory to God in the highest. As if to say, we know we surprised you with this. We know there's a lot to take in here. We don't, you know scarcely anyone who's ever seen an angel but right now, we want you to not focus on this experience right now. But we want you to give glory to God. And just as suddenly as they appeared, the angels went away. And in verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, they started to talk amongst themselves. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They gave God the glory. They talked amongst themselves. They made a plan. And they were apparently close. They were close enough to Bethlehem that they could make that trip. And they responded in a beautiful way. Their action, their immediate action to this news was, hey, here's the clue. There's a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths probably weren't a lot of babies born that morning you'll be able to find this baby we know what I think we can tell the difference if you're a mom or a dad you can tell the difference between the cry of a newborn and the cry of someone who's a month or two months or three months old maybe that's how they got there they went wandering through Bethlehem and they thought oh I hear I hear a, a, a brand new baby maybe that's the baby so the shepherds went to Bethlehem. And they went with haste, according to verse 16, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And they saw it, and they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. They got to tell of their experience of the single angel and the choir of angels and the announcement that they had out here in the field. They got to tell that to Mary and to Joseph. And how excited would Mary and Joseph be to know that the secret's out. I don't have to make this announcement. God has made this announcement already. And they've come to, they've come to see us. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. They were wowed because other people overheard apparently the, what the shepherds had been saying. And they, in telling this story, blessed Mary and Joseph. 
verse 19, we see the concluding kinds of statements from, that we've seen from Luke before in this passage. Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. Wow, Mary was blessed. Mary reflected on these things. She thought about them. And the shepherds returned. So they apparently got there, left, and then returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So Mary, even though Mary had nine months to think about and to prepare for the birth of the Messiah, she pondered and was grateful for the testimony of these shepherds. And the shepherds didn't just return to the fields. They returned, and they were glorifying and praising God. So you couldn't get the shepherds to shut up about it. The shepherds just kept talking about this incredible thing that had just happened. So as we shift to application, this Christmas, as we, we might take a page out of Mary's book and treasure this amazing story of the virgin whose life trajectory was radically changed by Almighty God. Let's ponder ourselves for a moment about how God intentionally and lovingly sent angels multiple times to multiple people to be the heralds of unfolding this unfolding good news. This good news was for the whole world, not just for the rich, the famous, the beautiful. The implication was very clear when we see Jesus spending his first night in an animal feeding trough and angels visiting shepherds. Shepherds were not the high-class people of the time. They were on the lower end of the, of the peasant um, um, level who probably didn't smell very good or probably didn't look very good. They spent all their day and all their nights with sheep. So if I were to leave you with two thoughts today, it would be these two. I would encourage you to take a moment to ponder what all of this means. Let your hearts be glad and warm and full. Let your hearts be bursting with joy. That is rejoicing in God and what he's done. There is trouble in the world out there, and there, there are noisy troubles in each of our lives. There's no question about that. For the moment, don't give them the airtime that they normally get. If it's politics you follow and concern yourself with, tune that down. If there are family and relationship experience that are, that are troubling you and that take up a lot of your energy, Turn away from that for a moment and ponder and let your heart be full with the glory that we see in this birth narrative. Go ahead and enjoy those wonderful traditions that we have and count your blessings because there are many of them that we don't take, take account of very much. So if the first point is to ponder, to take the time to do that, my second encouragement to you is to be generous. Especially now, during this time of, of the end of Advent and Christmas time. God has blessed us beyond description by sending his son. When you come across someone in need, meet that need. 
Today in this beautiful chapel, maybe that's a hearty hug and a word of encouragement to somebody else. Maybe it's listening to somebody else's story and showing compassion for them in their trials. Maybe it's assuring someone that you will pray for them and actually following up and praying for them. And then gently following up with them and showing them the love of Christ. One beautiful thing that I've observed about generosity is that it's contagious. That when someone is, is generous to someone else, others are encouraged to be generous as well. So somehow, seeing that that generosity does extend to others, I'd encourage you to, ge- to be generous and to show the love of Christ to those around you, wherever you find yourself. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the wonder of the Christmas message, for all of the blessings we enjoy for home and family, in church, in community, in our nation, because of the good tidings of great joy that are for all the people. We are a part of that people, and we want to savor that good news. Bless us this Christmas, that in our love for Jesus, in our joy in Jesus, and our faith in Jesus, and our witness to Jesus, that we would be filled with the fullness this morning we'll be looking at Micah 5 2 again but as for you Bethlehem of Athrathah too little to be among the clans of Judah from you one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel his goings forth are from everlasting from the ancient days as we consider the coming birth of Christ this morning I would like to look at the prophecy concerning his birth from Micah and specifically the location where he was to be born The beauty of God's plan in creation can be seen so clearly in the contents of what a name is, the essence of a thing bound up in the name. The place where Jesus was born, like we've heard about this morning, has two names, one older name of Athratha and one newer, at least in biblical times, Bethlehem. Both names speak to the offering of Christ and the new sacraments that he instituted. Athratha meaning being fruitful, and Bethlehem meaning the house of bread. As we eat this meal, we are being fed by Christ, one born in the house of bread and fruitfulness, eating the bread of his broken body and drinking the wine of his poured out blood. Let us eat this meal then, giving thanks for our ruler who is from everlasting, the ancient of days, King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. The gifts of God for the people of God. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.